0: Well, sometimes we get stuck in our modern times and how we view all of life. But the reality is, is that um, the world is a lot older than we are, right? Things have been going on for a long time, and, and so we come to worship and we think about worship and... and How many of you have been a Christian and been, you know, in the church setting, a church setting for more than 20 years? Okay, a bunch of us. See, have you seen any changes, right? Things change. But then there are some things that at the core of them, in fact, probably most of the things at the core of them have stayed the same. They're different in uh, on how they look on the outside, but they're the same thing. On the inside. And one of those things is the heritage that we have of worshiping together with God's people. All right, that this has been going on for a long time. Now, um, we look at the, go back in the Bible and look at the history of, of worship and singing. And what we find is that I say singing and praise like a worship service when we gather together, that when it really comes to the forefront is. After God delivers his people from Egypt and they come out and God miraculously delivers them through the Red Sea uh, and and defeats the enemies. And so they are praising God. And so in Exodus, I think it's chapter 15, we see what's called the Song of Moses. And I don't know how that all went down, but it's written. It's written as poetry. And this is they sang to the Lord. That's thirty four hundred years ago. 3,400 years ago. In fact, let me just look here for a second. I want to show you a couple of things. So 34, that's a long time, isn't it? Uh, 340 years ago, when does that put us? Seven—the the 1700s, in the late 1600s, doesn't it? Very early in in the time of our nation, right? That sounds like a long time ago, doesn't it? Uh, uh, well, take that ten times that long. Okay, this is when this song came out. <laughs> that sounds funny. This song came out talking about the song of Moses, but what you see is that this song was sung, but it's this it's still sung today. At least it was when I was in high school. In high school. We sang in our choir some sacred music, and one of them came from the Song of Moses. It came from verse 2 and verse 15, and let me see if I can remember how it goes. The Lord is my strength and song, He has become my salvation. He is my God, I will exalt Him. He's my God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. The Lord shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Man, that came out a lot better than I thought it would. That was, I like that. So I still remember that the scripture. Isn't that cool how you can sing scripture? But that's, that's connected to 3,400 years ago. Okay? Uh, so another one a song that comes out of that is May Your Name Be Lifted High. We've sung that here sometimes. Andy Needham wrote those um, words. But it came from Psalm 11. Who is like you, O Lord? And that that's, comes out. Who is like you, Lord? And then the song is written about that. May your name be lifted high. And we don't know for sure how the Jewish people sang their psalms in worship. I've, recently, a, a while back, I was looking online and looking at some videos and, of some Jewish uh, believers, but who said, here's, you know, they, they put these things to music and they had some historical basis for what they doing really interesting. But we don't know for sure how they did use these psalms in worship, but we do know that they came to be used in Christian worship, the psalms. Uh, In other words, the the earliest hymnals were very much considered to be connected to the psalms. Okay, Um, And the psalms, when when the church sang the psalms, like we're going back to the 1500s, 1600s, when the church sang the psalms, they didn't sing it directly from the psalms because that didn't fit the meter, do you know what I mean? You want to talk, go to school again? Poetry, right? Meter, you know how the, you know, the tune. Anyway, so it didn't fit the meter and the tunes of the Western world. But so what they would do is they would grab the thoughts, the main thoughts, and then put them into song. And, and they consider that to be singing of the psalms. So it's like they use the psalms as outlines for the hymn lyrics that they wrote. And, and then they base their lyrics on particular psalms. Now, these lyrics were then added to already existing tunes, tunes that were written for singing by Christians. In fact, when um, I was growing up, and the hymnal we had as, in the church I attended, and then in the t- hymnal we had here for years, y- you know, you can look up psalms or songs songs in, in the hymnal by their title. You can look up psalms oftentimes by their first line or the main most well-known line, most well-known line, but you can also look them up according to their tune. And, and what you find is that the hymns over there, sometimes the same tune was used for different hymns. Now, there's a, um, a tune that was called the Old Hundredth or Old One Hundredth, And it was originally connected with Psalm 134, but then it got connected with Psalm 100. But let me, let me see if you recognize the tune. Ah, 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 ah. Anybody sound familiar? What is it? The doxology, that's right. In fact, can you sing that with me here? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh. I was wondering if you were going to sing the Amen, right? Um, but this psalm, uh, this, this song, this tune, the Old 100, uh, in the doxology which we're so familiar with, That came later in the history of this song and this tune. Uh, In fact, the doxology comes 100 years after this tune was written and got connected with the 100th Psalm. So let's just do real quick, let's read Psalm 100, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about how it was used. Let's go to Psalm 100. That's page 689 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. If you need a Bible today, we always encourage you to follow along. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Well, back in the 1500s, a hymn writer took the tune that we, they wrote this tune, but they also then went to Psalm 100 and tried, how do we kind of capture these thoughts and put it into it? And so you'll recognize the tune, but here's the, the words that they came up with. All people that on earth do dwell, Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise forth tell Come ye before him and rejoice. So Psalm 100 that we're going to look at here today, there's a rich heritage of it being connected with the worship of God's people. And so that's what we want to look at it in that light today. So let's go back and and read it again. And and so you know, the word worship is not said anywhere in this psalm. But it's very clearly a call to worship. And that's what it was used often for, a call to worship. And it comes here from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. We don't do a lot of that in church these days, do we? You know, uh, and I don't know that we have to, but you catch the idea, right? I mean, when do you make a joyful shout? I mean, I suppose if, 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 if you found a lottery ticket and you picked it up and realized it was worth a hundred million dollars, would after you, they revived you, you would make a joyful shout, wouldn't you? Okay, how about when the Patriots are down by 20 some odd, Points going into the second half of a Super Bowl and they win the game, right? Did, did anybody besides me jump up and down and shout? I know some of you don't care, and that's all right. Doesn't bother me. Seems like Bill Belichick doesn't care either. So, I mean, in his demeanor, right? I mean, um, but we shout the things that, that really captures, and that's the idea that worship ought to what? So captures the idea that you, you could shout for joy. And he says, to all you lands, this call was beyond just Israel. This is calling the whole world to worship. Serve the Lord with gladness. Don't just serve him, serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know, some things you got to know as you come to worship. Know that the Lord... He is God. And by the way, that Lord, if is, 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 you see how it's capitalized, that means Yahweh, Jehovah, his, his covenant name with his people. Know that Jehovah, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Father, we, we ask you to work here in our lives now as we consider what this means in our lives. We pray uh, that your spirit would teach us, enlighten us, would speak to us personally things we need to, to see and to respond to, and that you be glorified in the the attitudes, the intentions of our hearts here as well, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about worship here uh, to begin with. What what does worship mean? When The words in... in uh, that is most often translated worship in the Old Testament from the Hebrew language, means to press down or to push down. And it came to also to mean to prostrate oneself. In other words, to get down on the ground and and bow down before. And and what that does is acknowledging you're bowing before somebody or something, right? It's acknowledging who they are. And the English word for worship came from the idea of worthship, worthiness. And so that as we prostrate ourselves, as we bow before the Lord, we are acknowledging his worth and his worthiness, his worth to us and his worthiness to be worshiped, to be submitted to and surrendered to. And so this is um, the root idea behind worship is to bow ourselves before the Lord. And it doesn't have to be a physical bowing. In fact, we're quite clear through the scriptures, right? God isn't that interested in our outward motions. He's much more concerned about what's going on in our hearts because what's in our hearts eventually does what? Comes out into our lives. And so, but it's about yielding ourselves to God. Uh, Psalm 95 captures this in uh, verse number six. And I don't see, oh. Yeah, that's a wrong reference. Sorry, would you go ahead and show the next slide there, Dave? Cut and paste stuff sometimes drives me nuts. Anyway, so I forgot to change the reference. This is Psalm 95, verse 6, okay? And it says, O come, let us worship. And what does the word worship mean? To, you know, to go down or to prostrate yourself before. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And so when we think of worship, what we need to think about is It's about a yielding ourselves to God. And it's really what we tried to capture here in the very first thing of the three things that we do as as God's people, as church. We surrender to the Lord. We submit to the Lord. We yield to the Lord. We say yes to God, right? Okay, And, and so this is the root idea behind worship. And so it's very much an individual thing. I mean, you think the word worship, you might think of a church service, and, and that makes sense. But worship is deeper than that and much more personal than that. It's about you and me before God, as we'll see as we look through some of the scriptures here, but seeing God for who he is, understanding what that means in our lives, and then bowing ourselves to him, right? Yielding ourselves to him surrendering to him and whatever he has in our lives. Okay, so as we talk about worship here, then we understand that worship is a calling for every Christian. Worship is not intended to be an optional thing for Christians. Jesus talking to the woman at the at the the, excuse me, at the well, uh, said this to her. He says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Okay, so stop right there for just a moment. This idea that there has to be two things. First, it has to be based on truth, you, who God really is and what he says. That it's based on truth, but it's also a spiritual dynamic here. And I think that this would go back to like what Jesus told Nicodemus, you know? If, if you're going to make it to heaven, you have to be what? Born again. You have to be born spiritually. There has to be a spiritual dynamic here. Someone who does not know the Lord really can't worship the Lord the way the Lord intends. Because there's a spiritual dynamic to this as well. Based on truth and a spiritual reality. But let's look at the second part. For the Father is what? Seeking such to worship Him. God is looking for worshipers. And when a person becomes a believer, when a person comes to understand that their sins have separated them from God... And they know that if they they die in that condition, they're lost forever in hell. And that God loved us so much, sent his only son into the world, who who died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rising again from the dead. And, and, And so we reach that point and we understand this in our lives. For me, back in 1975, came to understand this, I had a choice to make. And the real choice was, was I going to surrender to the Lord in this or not? Because here's the reality I, I'm lost. God loves me, has offered me a way to be forgiven and saved forever. I have the choice to make. And by God's grace, I chose to believe. I surrendered Him and said, Yes, Lord, that's for me. I accept that. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And when, by the way, when we do that, every sin is forgiven. Uh, We receive eternal life. And then God himself moves in. Now the spirit of God lives in us. And so now we are able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Right? Okay. So when a person becomes a Christian, then they can begin worshiping God the way God intends. Okay? And so it's a calling for every Christian. This calling wasn't just for the religious leaders or or the heads of the households, or whatever. This was a call for every person, a call for every Christian. Second thing is it requires a personal choice. Because if it's about yielding to God, what do you have to do? You have to choose, don't you? You have to decide, I'm going to do that. Um, So if we talk about worshiping together, coming together as worshipers to on purpose worship God together, that also requires choices, didn't it? You know, at some point, you decided to be here today, didn't you? You decided to come to worship with your brothers. You made a choice. Now, whether, like me, you made a choice many years ago that this is just what I'm going to do, or maybe you just chose this morning. But you had to make a choice to be here. And and if you're going to continue worshiping while you're here, because, you know, you don't have to, you can sit through this whole service and not worship, can't you? not engage with the Lord and and be yielded to him and wanting to hear from him and wanting to honor him. You know, you can come and bring everything in your life with you and just sit there and sulk over it. (laughs) But so it requires a choice. It requires a choice to say, okay, here I am. Yes, we are singing. And yes, this song is slower than I like. But I'm gonna worship God. This song is faster and louder than I like. I'm gonna worship God. That person just walked by me and didn't say hi to me. What's up with that? You know, I'm going to what? Worship God. We gotta make a choice. And by the way, this is transformative. And and we will talk about our lives in just a minute. But so it requires personal choices all along the way. In fact, doesn't this start to tell us that as Christians, our entire lives should be lives of worship because are we just supposed to surrender to God on Sunday mornings? No, we're supposed to surrender to God every moment of every day, aren't we? And, you know, we aren't always conscious of that. I get that. But the idea is, well, every time, you know, things come up come to mind, we need to be yielding to the Lord. He is, he is Lord. What does that mean? He, he's the Lord. He's the one who says how things ought to be, and we say yes. And what a blessing to it is, us that is. And that's a different sermon. Uh, But so we have to make these choices to be worshipers and then to worship. And then worship is evangelistic. Look at this. He says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. That means the whole world, doesn't it? He's inviting them to come and to worship and become worshipers. Well, the reality is that a lot of the world for them and for us today don't know the Lord, right? They don't know the Lord. They can't worship him in spirit and truth. And so what is this about? If, if in our worship, we're calling people to him, it's about evangelism, isn't it? Now, this starts in our own lives. So if, if I live my life surrendered to the Lord, you live your life surrendered to the Lord, this kind of idea gets captured. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And really, that's that idea. We're talking about here worship at the core of this, right? And be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. When we begin to live or continue to live lives of worship where we are walking with the Lord, where we are surrendered to him, where we, our, our speech is uh, you know, consistent with the way it ought to be, our hearts are where they ought to be, and we're interacting with people the way the Lord says we ought to, do you know what's going to happen? People will take note. And there will be some who will say, Hey, what's up with you? What is, what's going on here? What are you, what's it about in your life? And we need to be ready. So do you see how worship leads to evangelism? Do you see that? Okay, worship leads to, lives of worship lead to evangelism. And, but then this is also why in every service, which I already did today, we try to at least share the gospel and how you can have a relationship with Christ. Because worship we went through a time in, in, in Christianity in the last generation here, and maybe it's still out there, probably still out there, where there was a big pushback on a lot of stuff that was going on in churches and worship services, and I understand that, and some of that was probably right and justified, but, but where they went with the argument is, is, was this. Church is for Christians. And then you go witness out there. Okay, well, yeah, we should be witnessing out there, right? The church, is for Christians. But God is quite clear all through the Psalms, and he's clear in the New Testament, that when unbelievers come in, they need to be able to hear the gospel and understand the truth about themselves and their need for God so they can be saved. Okay? And so that's one of the reasons we always pretty much try to on a Sunday morning. Occasionally, we don't make it as clear, but try to talk about the gospel because worship, from God's point of view, is intended to be evangelistic. It's not an evangelistic service, right? I mean, this isn't all about trying to reach. We're about worshiping God together, but the gospel should be included, okay? There it is. All right, so worship. So why should we worship? Well, the psalm here gives us lots of uh, things about worship, why we should worship. And it starts in verse three. Know that the Lord, what? He is God. There you go. Reason to worship, because he is God. What does that mean? He's the creator of all things. The very fact that you and I exist is dependent on him. True? I mean, he is God. He is worthy of our worship. Second thing, he says this. He says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. (laughs) Okay, He is our creator because we're not God. And so we get this idea that God is worthy and we're not God. By the way, I read a quote once years ago and it said something about, like uh, I said, a real first step of faith for some people is when they finally understand that they are not God. Well, that's crazy. People don't think they're God. Well, they do because what do we do? Do you ever live like your God? Do you ever kind of set aside, you know, thinking about what the Lord wants and you want what you want, right? You're you're stepping into God's place, see? But we need to remind ourselves, worship. We're not God. And so when we worship, whether it's just in my own life, I'm doing this, or we come together, I need to be reminded that he's God, I am not God. And I need to keep that in mind in my life. And then this idea that um, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So he uses this picture of us being sheep. Do sheep need a shepherd? What happens to sheep without a shepherd? I mean, like we're all experts on sheep, right? (laughs) But sheep that don't have a shepherd wander, and they get into all sorts of trouble, and they are vulnerable, and they don't don't have their needs met. They need a shepherd to lead them along and help them to be where they need to go. So we worship God because we need God. We need God. And understand we need him because we're his sheep, but we're we're his people. That's what it says, right? We are his people. What's it mean to be his people? Well, it means we have a relationship with him. And think about this. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you are not your own? For you were what? Bought at a price. The Lord purchased us. Now, that's kind of a strange concept to us today, buying somebody, right? But, you know, think about it. He purchased us and then says, live freely for me. All right, but he purchased us. In 1 Peter, he says, knowing that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. How can we take that lightly? The fact that Jesus died for us, and we know the kind of horrific death he died, but greater than that, he took the penalty for my sins, which are many, many, many. How can I take that lightly? How can you take it lightly in your own life, right? We need him, and he's shown it. We need so much that he, he sent his only son to Die for us. We need him. We are lost without him. Okay. So reasons to worship because he is God, because we're not God and because we need him reasons to worship. And then there, how, how are we worship together? Some ways to worship together. And so the Psalm says a bunch of things here about how we can worship him together, starting in the very beginning. And so he says, make a joyful shout. Let's talk about joyful expression. Okay. Um, uh, old song we used to sing with uh, the kids and the teens and occasionally on a, maybe on a different kind of church service we would sing, I'm so happy and here's the reason why. You guys know that song? Yeah. I'm so happy and here's the reason why Jesus took my burden all away. Right, you have sing that. Anyway, but some of you sing it like this. If you were doing it, you'd go, I'm so happy and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burden all the way. I don't think that's God's intent when we come together to worship. Now, you may really feel that way, and sometimes between you and God, that's be that way, right? I get it. But, um, but it ought to be a joyful expression uh, on our faces and in our actions and our attitudes and our, our voices uh, a joyful expression. Our, and this, this, where does this have to start? It has to start in the heart, right? And, but here's the thing. It ought to eventually make it to your face, okay? Uh, it ought to even show up in your posture, maybe, how you hold yourself. Because uh, when, when, when you're joyful, you just don't stand around like this. Or sit like this. Uh, and by the way, I'm not making up rules for worship, okay? Oh, look, bad posture. He's not really worshiping. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the idea is that we ought to have a joyful expression. Kind of, sometimes that might be a clapping, right? And certainly singing. And by the way, some of you have a hard time with singing. Um, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, the next thing, a welcoming attitude, you know, it, because it, joyful shout to Lord, all you lands. So what's up with the, the Jewish people? If, if they were worshiping and all of a sudden a Gentile walks in and says, what you guys doing? Get out of here. You're not a Jew. By the time we get to the the new Testament, the church, God is quite clear. He says, when unbelievers come in, make sure that they can understand what's going on. Right? Welcome them. You are welcome here. Boy, you know, that ought to be a message that comes through loud and clear for us in our Christianity and in our church, shouldn't it? You know, so I say to you, those of you who are watching, You are welcome here, whether it can only be online or whether you can join us, right? So we need to have a welcoming attitude. And by the way, that that changes a lot of stuff, right? If the people around you are welcoming, doesn't that help? And sometimes you might be the one who needs that desperately from somebody. But guess what? Eventually somebody else is going to need it from you, all right? So we all need to be consciously thinking about being welcoming uh, when we are here. Uh, then he says, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. Okay, so that means we're going to do what he says, right? So we, we come in with this, a predetermined surrender. Predetermined surrender. That means when you come, let me encourage you. For, let's back up, talk about our own individual worship. If, if, if I sit down, so I'm going to open up the word, or I'm, maybe I'm just going to talk with God or whatever, you know, where I really need to preferably start with, but for sure I need to get to, and that's that. Okay, Lord, you are Lord. I, I yield myself to you. Whatever you want, show me, lead me, teach me. Okay, in our own lives. And so then we should come together to worship the same way. When you head off to church at some point, either on the, before you leave home in the morning or before you get here or, or when you're here or the first time you remember it and realize it, that's what you need to say, okay, Lord. I'm here to worship you. That means I bow myself before you. I surrender myself to you. you know, work in my life today. I want to hear from you. You know, how? can you start to feel the dynamic, the experience that could occur as, as if we all come into this place with that mindset? And I'm not saying that you aren't, okay? But I'm saying if, if all of us are, that's going to be a big thing, okay? That's going to make a big difference. And then come before him come before His presence with singing, uh, singing with an awareness of God's presence. Is God present here today? Is He? How do you know? It can't be, say, well, I feel like he, I feel it. That's not the starting place. How do we know? Because Jesus said, what? and we said when you gather together to do what I've commanded you to do and I'm I'm kind of expanding a little bit paraphrasing here he says I want you to know that if two or three of you get together to do that I'm present I am there so when we come before his presence with singing this is what I was going to say earlier do you always feel are you always really excited and feeling it on Sunday morning when it's time to worship maybe some of you are maybe a lot of you are Some of us aren't, right? Sometimes we aren't. But I need to remember, okay, it's time to sing. Okay, wait, wait. The Lord is present here. That ought to affect maybe how I sing. Sometimes that means I'm going to sing loud. Sometimes that might mean I can barely sing because I'm aware of his presence. And what I discover is this in my own life. I come knowing he's present. Come singing the words, you know, trying to connect with God and those words and what is going on, all kind of stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, you just sing it and you, you mean it, but it, the, But all of a sudden, every now and then, all of a sudden, it, God's presence becomes so real. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Anybody? You've been there, experienced it? Yeah, that's good. Okay, very encouraging. So, but we want to sing, and, and this ought to affect how we sing. And this is what I was going to say earlier. You know, if you're not a singer and you say, man, everybody around me, hear me, there's me problem, and you don't want to sing, and you just want to hold on to the chair in front of you and just look real dignified, and, and you know, all I would say is this if that's where you're at and you need to do that between you and God, I'm not, we're not making rules, right? But I would give you, encourage you to try, try to sing. At least move your lips. To the words, right? I mean, it's going to help you, okay? God is present. Let's sing as though he is present. Now, as you continue this, remember, um, remember we're going to focus on he is the Lord. He is God. He made us. We're God's people. We are God's sheep. We live in God's pasture. He cares for us, God. And so we want to focus on the Lord and our relationship with him. That's that's crucial as you worship. Lots of things can be in your mind as you worship. Lots of, you know, your mind can wander here and there. That's that's all right. Just just go there with God. If your mind's wandering, make sure you're there with the Lord, right? But the idea is that, that you're focusing on him and your relationship with him. Now, how do we do this? I think the idea is, you know, you come in. And you you meet people, you see people that you know. Maybe sometimes people you don't know, but the people that you know, you realize, hey, the Lord lives in this person. My Savior lives in you, and in me. That's cool. In other words, I'm not just going to get together with just a bunch of anybody's. I'm getting together with a bunch of somebody's, right? And so I want to focus on that. And then, you know, we we come in and and we sit down and and the five-minute thing goes off. And, okay, i got to get everything done first. Yeah, but wait, no, okay. Lord, help me focus in here now on you as we worship. And then we stand and sing and you think about the words. Like I said earlier, who here besides me is perfect? I made that up. Who here is perfect? Who here is perfect? Anybody? Well, guess what? That means that when we sing and the instruments play and the slides run and, and the sound, it isn't going to be perfect. But when I'm focusing on relationship to the Lord, that stuff just doesn't matter very much. And eventually, maybe not at all. Okay. And so we wanna focus on the Lord through all of this. When we open the word and preach, you know, I'd be really open with you. When, you know, I, I pray and ask God, lead me. What do you want me to say from your word? How do, how do you want me to explain this? How do you want me to apply it? Uh, all of those kinds of things. But the goal is this. I, I would not care at all. Let me back up. As a, as a pastor, it's always interesting. You know, if I ask, you know, next week, so I talk about last week's sermon. You guys remember when? And you guys go. <laughs> and as a pastor, you go, really? Come on, guys. But his honest truth. If you go away from here having heard from God and you can't even remember what I said, that's okay. You get that? You understand what I'm saying? As you come, if we open the word, I want you to say, God, speak to me. And, and you may very well hopefully hear the sermon and it makes sense to you and the Lord leads you and worship. you. But sometimes He may capture you with something and you go away. You heard from God and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't even listen to the last 20 minutes because God was talking to me. All right, so focus on the Lord and your relationship to him. And then it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. And so be thankful and give thanks. That's the two ideas here. Don't just be thankful, give thanks. And that doesn't mean you have to do it out loud, but consciously, Lord, thank you. When when we're singing along, every now and then something goes on the words, and I go, oh Lord, thank you. Or somebody will say something to me in a conversation, Lord, thank you. Right? Be thankful, and then thank him. See, what are you doing? You're engaging with the Lord on purpose. The same idea. Think of what is he worthy of praise. Think of reasons to praise God. But don't just think of reasons to praise God. Do what? Praise him. Say it to him somehow, some way. whether you're saying it as you're singing or whether you're saying amen to something uh, when you hear it preached or prayed or just in your own heart. But, you know, yes, Lord. You are the creator of all things. I can't get my head around that. I praise you for that. Whatever it is. Okay? So all of these things in here, reasons to worship the Lord. And by the way, so if you want to look here, here's, here's some things to be thankful and praising for. Verse 5. For the Lord is what? Actually, you can look at your Bible. It's okay. For the Lord is good. Isn't that good, remember? That he is good. You know, because sometimes people have this mindset of what God's going to do is do so hard, and I'm going to not be able to do this, and I'm going to miss out on that. No, 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 no. God is good. And if whatever he has you doing is going to be good for you. I mean, for he is good. His mercy is everlasting. That's good news, right? Everlasting. My, my eternity's covered. By His mercy, and His truth endures to all generations. So what He said was true when He said it, wasn't it? And it's true when it was written down, and it's true to us still today, isn't it? And it will be true if the Lord doesn't return for our children and our grandchildren, and then generous, the Lord's truth endures to all generations. You do not have to worry about it changing. So let me just conclude with this idea. You are a worshiper if you know the Lord. If you haven't received Christ as Savior, like I talked about earlier, you need to do that. Please talk to me. I'd love to help you understand what you need to do, how you receive Christ as Savior. But if you are, you are a worshiper. That's what God made you to be a worshiper. And you will worship something. You will worship someone. Do you, you remember Adam and Eve. God placed them. You know, he created them. He puts them in the garden. He gives them work to do. Tells them to oversee, exercise dominion over the world. Eat whatever you want. To, just stay away from this one thing. And so every time they did what the Lord said, they were worshiping him because they're yielding to him. They're doing what he said. And they came face to face with that choice that needed to be made. Are we going to worship God here? Because Satan says, right? Oh, no, no, you don't, you don't have to follow that rule. You can be like God yourself, you know. They had a worship choice to make, didn't they? They had a worship choice to make. And we know they made the wrong one, didn't they? Just like we all have. They made the wrong one and brought all those problems in the world. So let me, let me say, this. So first of all, you, you are worshipers, so choose to worship God. Choose to worship God and all of those things in your life. Let me say to you that in, in those hardest things in your life, the most difficult things in your life that maybe nobody else even knows about and you are wrestling with it and you are struggling with it, and, and worship God there. Say yes to God there. Remember that he's God and you're not. Remember that he is good and his truth is, is enduring, remember, worship God there, but no buts worship God there worship God say yes to him, and then remember this even those hardest times, hardest things and maybe you don't even feel like you can talk to anybody about it because whatever, that's fine but you need to know this, you are not alone in this we are in it together And that's why we need to be worshipers moment by moment, going through life. And then we as worshipers come together and worship God together. And Jesus, I I don't know necessarily what it all means, the most special part, but he said, here's the deal, right? When you get together, I am present. So we're not in this alone. We're in it with each other and with the Lord. Be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. That's what God made you to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you that you have privileged us with being able to worship you for you are so worthy. You are worthy of anything you would ever call us to do. And you have called us to worship you. So Lord, help us to see our lives that way. Help us to understand moment by moment. Help us to see it when we need to see it. And then, Lord, I pray that as we come together that this could become something amazing uh, where we do experience your presence. And we're not basing our faith on our experiences, Lord. We're basing it on truth. But, Lord, we would love to experience your presence as well. And I do pray as always, Father, that someone who doesn't know your Son as Savior, either here today or watching or listening later, I pray, Father, that they would lean into you and receive Christ as Savior. And if they don't know how to do it or they have questions, I pray they'd reach out, Lord. Please stir their hearts for that. Be honored and glorified in us here today, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.